Welcome to the Sunday morning podcast from Kingdom Faith Church in Burgess Hill. This message is by Clive Urquhart. Well, good morning, everybody from all the congregations, Horsham, Crawley, Worthing and Burgess Hill. We've had a great start to 2020 with the 21 days of prayer and fasting and all that God has been doing during that time. And one of the key things that he's been saying to us is about stirring up the gift that is within us, stirring up the fire of the Holy Spirit in us. And so hopefully you're still doing that because uh, it wasn't just something for three weeks at the beginning of the year. It's really to set the tone for this year and everything God wants to do. And the last three weeks across all the congregations, we've been looking at three responses to what God has been saying and doing in the 21 days. Three next steps. One was about serving. Uh, We're a church family and everybody in the family serves and helps build the family and build the house. And so that was very, very practical in terms of how we can all practically get involved and serve one another and serve those that are coming to be part of who we are. The, uh, the second week was about relationships, about small groups and how small groups are the, the relational centre, the relational hub of who we are as a church. And therefore the importance of that as not only for us who are in the church, but for those who are coming to join the church, those who are coming to know Jesus, those who are coming back to the Lord. It's a great place for people to get connected relationally and really to be part of who we are as a family. And then last Sunday we looked at Uh, the whole kind of witness side of who we are. And and we focus quite a lot on Alpha uh, as a massive opportunity to invite our unsafe friends and family too, but also looking at just our witness in general. So those three Sundays have been really important as a practical response to what God's been doing during the prayer and fasting. Now, as part of all of that, God's been speaking to us about prayer about uh, not just stirring up the gift that is within us in our own lives, the fire of the Holy Spirit, but also the spirit of prayer coming upon us in a fresh way. And God's been talking about us being watchmen, about having prayer watches uh, during the day and through the night. And that is something that's going to increase. So I want to encourage you, continue to listen to the Holy Spirit as to what He's saying to you about a prayer watch. God has called us to be a house of prayer for all nations. And He's spoken specifically about really developing 24-7 worship and prayer. And so just keep listening to the Holy Spirit. Whatever He says to you, respond to Him. And when you respond to what He says, He graces you to then live out and to act upon what He is saying. So as well as stirring up the gift, stirring up the fire, there's the prayer, the spirit of prayer. There's these prayer watches of worship and prayer because we know that when we pray, things happen. When we pray, things that are not supposed to happen are stopped from happening, but things that God wants to happen are then released because we pray. So we want to believe that our prayer affects what is going on today, right now. Everybody believe that? Amen. Great. So as we have been responding to God very practically, serving, then in relationships and then in our witness and what that looks like and how that's going to unfold, this next series that we're we're going to begin, we're going to be calling Simply Jesus. So hopefully our lives are focused around Jesus anyway. But over the next few weeks, we want to focus on, on Jesus. What does it really look like to 
to live out his words, to act upon his words and to live like Jesus in our lives. So we're going to be looking at simply Jesus and we're going to base that around Mark chapter one. So Mark chapter one is going to be like our springboard, our jumping off point for what we're going to be looking at over the next few weeks. So we want to be very, very practical. And one of the things that I believe God's going to do over these next few weeks, he's going to do a little bit of detoxing in all of our lives. How many of you love a detox? Uh, You love to get rid of some stuff that might not be so good for you and actually to then live in the good of what God has already done in our lives. So we're going to have a little bit of detoxing over uh, over the next few weeks. So we're going to strip some things back and some of it might be quite simple, might be quite basic. But we want to make sure that we are living the foundational truths in our lives because where God is taking us is not just about ourselves. Where God is taking us, it's all about harvest. It's about those that don't yet know Jesus and those that are coming back to Jesus. And it's about us that are already walking with him about making disciples. The next season of fruitfulness that God spoke to us about earlier in the year was for many of us, our next season of growth and fruitfulness is about investing in others, about making disciples. So we're going to have a little bit of detoxing. And what are we going to be detoxing from? Uh, Many of us would say that our lives are busy. Many of us would say we're, we're, we're kind of trying to keep up with the next thing, the next deadline. Uh, there's busyness, there's hurry, there's worry. And often we find that we're living our lives quite driven instead of being led. And one of the things I believe God wants to do over these next seven or eight weeks, he wants to detox us from busyness, detox us from being in a hurry, detox us from just rushing from one thing to the next, trying to get our breath and actually bring us right to the point where, where there's some fresh space in our lives because we're allowing the Holy Spirit to lead us rather than circumstances and life driving us. We live in a very busy culture, very busy Uh, world and we don't want to live at the world's tempo. We want to live at the tempo of the Holy Spirit. We want to live at the tempo that Jesus wants us to live at. And how many of you know, God made seven days a week, 24 hours a day. And when he did that, he knew that there's enough time in the week and in every day to accomplish everything that he wants to do in us and everything that he wants to do through us. When we start saying we don't have enough time, there's not enough hours in the day, there's not enough days in the week, then we need to just stop a minute, slow down and ask ourselves some questions. So God wants to detox us a little bit from some of this stuff. And we're going to do that by looking at the life of Jesus. How did he live? How did he love? How did he serve? How did he release the life and the power of the Father into people's lives in a very, very real and practical way? How do we stay passionate and full of the fire of the Holy Spirit, but without striving or without being driven? How do we live passionate and full of the fire, but being led by the Holy Spirit? Now, I'm as much part of this journey as everybody else is uh, over these next few weeks. God's already doing a bit of a number on me and I know Jane, Uh, uh, about this area of not being busy, uh, not being in a hurry, not being in a rush, but actually just slowing down and looking at saying, where am I not being led 
by the Holy Spirit in my life and where does he want to lead me so that I'm fruitful in a way that he wants to be me to be fruitful. How many of you know that God is not in a rush? God's not in a hurry. We know that Jesus didn't live in a hurry. Let's look at a couple of scenarios before we read Mark chapter one. Uh, the story of where, where <clears throat> his friend Lazarus was dying and he got a message sent to him. He's dying. Please, you come right now. Well, many of us would come in that moment and go, right, I'm going to come now and pray and pray and pray because this person's dying. Well, four days later, Jesus turned up. I wouldn't call that in a hurry. I wouldn't call that in a rush. Uh, some of us might think, wow, that's not even particularly loving. But when Jesus arrived, they said that Lazarus is now dead. You're too late. Whereas what did he say? He said, don't worry, just believe, just believe. And then he stood in front of the tomb and he called out. They moved the stone away. He spoke and Lazarus came out and he lived. How many of you know that God is always on time? So there's an aspect in our lives where if we're in a hurry, if we're in a rush, how much do we trust God or how much are we running ahead of him? So God wants us to slow down a bit so that we are walking with him at the pace that he is moving at. Another story was uh, Jairus, a synagogue ruler, came to Jesus one day and said, my daughter is dying. Please, would you come? And if you touch her, she will be healed. He said, great, I'll come with you. And as he began to, to walk with Jairus and go to Jairus's house, there was another lady who'd been sick for 12 years who pushed through the crowd, touched the hem of his garment. At that moment, power came out from Jesus and she was healed. Now, at that moment, he stopped and said, who touched me? Who touched me? Now, what would Jairus have been doing at that moment? Probably like many of us, would have been like, Jesus, please don't get distracted now. Please don't stop now. My daughter's dying. You've got to come now. Hurry, 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 hurry. Come on, come on, come on, come on. There's a time scale. There's an emergency. And Jesus said at that moment to him, it's okay. Just believe. He had a conversation with the lady. He said, your faith has made you well. And uh, however long that took, and then he said, OK, Jairus, let's go to your house. Jesus doesn't live at the pace that we live at. He doesn't live at a pace of rush, of worry and of hurry. Jesus lived at the pace that the father showed him he should live. So we want to live at the pace that Jesus lives. And we want to live at the pace that the Holy Spirit wants to lead us. We don't want to live driven. We don't want to live out of frustration. We believe that God wants to revive us and wants to release his spirit in a fresh way, wants to transform society. And, and we cannot make God rush to do what he wants to do. His timing is perfect. And he wants us to trust him, to rest in him, to walk with him and to obey him. Have you know that busyness drives you but obedience leads you to fruitfulness. So we'd rather walk at the pace that the Holy Spirit is walking and be fruitful than try and rush in our busyness to bear fruit. But actually out of frustration, we end up driving ourselves and driving other people because we want to see stuff happen. And we think if we're going to be passionate and on fire, we've got to drive, 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 drive. And God wants to take the drive out. And what he wants to do, he wants to lead us in our lives. So let's have a look at uh, Mark chapter one. And we're just going to read this. This is our jumping off point. This is our base point for the next 
few weeks. So we're going to read about Jesus and, and how this started. And then we're going to look at, at quite a fundamental passage and just remind us a little bit about what it really means to be called and chosen. Because if we're going to make disciples, then we need to know who we are so that in Christ, so that then as we're discipling others, we can disciple them into the truth. We can disciple them in who they've become now in Christ. So let's have a look at Mark chapter one. I'm just gonna read quite a few verses and all this will come up on the screen so you can read with me. At that time, Jesus came from Nazareth in Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan. As Jesus was coming up out of the water, he saw heaven being torn open and the spirit descending on him like a dove. And a voice came from heaven and said, you are my son whom I love with you. I am well pleased. How many of you like to hear God say that about your life? All of us. Amen. Well, this is how God speaks to us in our lives. We'll come back to some of this in a moment. Verse 12. At once the spirit sent him out into the desert and he was in the desert 40 days being tempted by the devil. He was with the wild animals and angels attended him. After John was put in prison, Jesus went into Galilee, proclaiming the good news of God. The time has come, he said, the kingdom of heaven is near, repent and believe the good news. As Jesus walked beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and his brother Andrew casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen. Come, follow me, Jesus said, and I will make you fishers of men. At once they left their nets and followed him. When he had gone a little farther, he saw James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John in a boat, preparing their nets. Without delay, he called them, and they left their father Zebedee in the boat with the hired men and followed Jesus, followed him. They went to Capernaum, and when the Sabbath came, Jesus went into the synagogue and began to teach. The people were amazed at his teaching because he taught them as one who had authority, not as the teachers of the law. Just then a man in their synagogue who was possessed by an evil spirit cried out, What do you want with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. Jesus said sternly, Be quiet, come out of him. The evil spirit shook the man violently and came out of him with a shriek. The people were so amazed that they asked each other, what is this? A new teaching and with authority. And he gives orders to evil spirits and they obey him. News about him spread quickly over the whole region of Galilee. As soon as they left the synagogue, they went with James and John to the home of Simon and Andrew. Simon's mother-in-law was in bed with a fever and they told Jesus about her. So he went to her, took her hand and helped her up and the fever left her and she began to wait on them. That evening after sunset, the people brought to Jesus all the sick and demon possessed. The whole town gathered at the door and Jesus healed many who had various diseases. He also drove out many demons, but he would not let the demons speak because they knew who he was. Very early in the morning, following what happened the night before, very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house and went off to a solitary place where he prayed. Simon and his companions went to look for him. And when they found him, they exclaimed, everyone is looking for you. Jesus replied, let us go somewhere else to the nearby villages so I can preach there also. 
That is why I have come. So he traveled throughout Galilee, preaching in their synagogues and driving out demons. So Mark chapter one is going to form the basis of what we're going to be looking at over the next, uh, the next few weeks. Now, in that chapter, there's a lot that's going to form the basis. One is an aspect. Jesus knew that he was called and he was chosen and he wants exactly the same for us. Jesus knew that he'd been sent by the Father and God wants us to know that we are sent for a particular purpose. Jesus knew that uh, he was a man of victory. When he went into the desert, he, he won victory over the enemy. Uh, and he was a man of victory, but he's also a man of purpose. What was the purpose? We knew the purpose for Jesus was to ultimately go to the cross. But what did he do when during the next three years of his ministry, he made disciples and that's going to form quite a key part of the next few weeks. And there's one or two weeks where we're really going to focus on what does it really mean and look like to be a disciple maker, as well as all these weeks helping us to know what does it look like to be a disciple uh, we're also going to look at how do you then make disciples and what that practically is going to look like. Jesus knew that he was a man of authority, took authority over the enemy, over the devil. He was a man of power, people getting healed, people getting set free, people getting delivered. He was a man of obedience. He listened to the Father. He got up early in the morning. He wasn't drawn by the crowd to go back to Capernaum. He knew that the Father had said, no, there's other places you need to go. Don't get drawn by the moment. Don't get drawn by the crowd. Don't get drawn by adulation, but, be, but uh, be led by my spirit. And so he then said to the disciples, there's other places we need to go. What was the motive of the heart of the Father? It was love for people. And so we see that the motive for Jesus in everything he did was love for the Father, which meant he was obedient, but it was also love for people. And so we're going to unpack all of this stuff over the next few weeks because everything in Jesus' life flowed from his relationship with the Father. And so we're going to be looking a little bit like at, at what was his relationship like with the Father? What does that mean for us then in terms of our relationship? What does it look like for him to be obedient to the Father? Because whatever Jesus did, it's the same for us. And then what does it look like to be fruitful and effective in our lives. And along the way, God's going to do some detoxing of hurry, worry, uh, rushing and all that kind of stuff so that we live led and not driven. How many of you are looking forward to the next few weeks? Two of you. Brilliant. This is going to be amazing. How many are looking forward to the next few weeks? Great. What did Jesus say then? Matthew chapter 11. He says, come to me, all who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. For I am gentle and humble in heart and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. How do you know that when you're in a rush, you're not particularly restful? How do you know when you're in a hurry, you're not particularly restful or at peace? And Jesus here, he bursts the bubble where everybody's weary and burdened and rushing and stressed and everything else. He says, hey, come to me and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon me and uh, you'll find rest for your souls. Then what did he say in, in the, one of the verses we've just read? Mark 1 verse 17. He said to some of these guys who were fishermen, come follow me and I will make you 
fishes of men. So the emphasis in both Matthew 11 and Mark 1, those two verses, is not what we have to do, but it's on what he does in us. He says, come to me, all you are in burden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Learn from me. So we want to learn from the master over these next few weeks and you will find rest for your souls. Then he says, come follow me and I will make you fishers of men. Come follow, come walk with me. So God doesn't want us to run with him. He wants us to walk with him. He wants us to walk in a place where we're being led by him and by the Holy Spirit in our lives. So let's have a look at Ephesians chapter one. And for many of you, this, these scriptures are well known, but I believe that at the beginning of this, uh, this series of Simply Jesus, I believe that we need to understand in a fresh way uh, that we are called and that we are chosen. We are called and that we are chosen. And being called and chosen is not anything to do with what we have done, but it's all to do with who he is and what he has done. And I believe God wants to give us a fresh revelation of that in our lives so that we live in a place of rest, not from a place, but in a place of rest. See, what does rest do? Rest enables us to walk with God. What does hurry and rush do? We live from God. We rush ahead of him. We rush this way and that way. But he wants to live in a place of rest, a place of knowing I'm called, knowing I'm chosen. This is what he's done in me and I'm going to live in the good of it. So let's have a look at Ephesians chapter one and right from the beginning of, of verse one. This is Paul the Apostle, the revelation that he'd had directly from the Holy Spirit about what Jesus has done for us and what it means to live in him. So it says here, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God. What, what does the word apostle mean? The word apostle means sent one, the one who is sent to then send others. What does it mean to be apostolic? It means to take the kingdom that you are part of and to establish that kingdom where it is not present. Yeah, hopefully you can understand that. So he says, I'm an apostle of Christ Jesus. So what does that mean? It means everywhere I go, my, what I'm to do is to establish the gospel of the kingdom. I'm to establish the kingdom of heaven everywhere I go. So where the kingdom of heaven is not, I'm sent as an apostle to go and establish the kingdom there. So for us as believers, we are sent to establish and see God's kingdom wherever we go. But then what does Paul say? He says to the saints, in Ephesus. So let's change the word Ephesus to kingdom faith this morning. And let's say to the saints, to the holy ones. That's what the word saints mean. Just turn to your neighbour and say, you are holy. Okay, now, now say it like you mean it and say to them, you are holy. Okay, to the holy ones, to the saints in kingdom faith, in Horsham, Crawley, Worthing, Burgess Hill, London, Scarborough, Taunton, wherever, to the saints, to the holy ones in kingdom faith, the faithful in Christ Jesus. I love the way that God wants to speak into our lives. He doesn't look at our lives in the way that we often look at our lives. We look at our lives from a performance place in relation to God. How am I doing today? Am I, do I feel good? Do I feel like I'm where I should be? Do I think I'm spiritual? Do I feel spiritual? No. How God speaks into our lives, He says, hey, holy ones, 
How many of you love that? He says, hey, holy one of mine in kingdom faith to the faithful in Christ Jesus. Then he says, then he says here, grace and peace to you. Grace, what's grace? Grace is God's enabling. And that's God giving us everything, even though we deserve nothing. So he says, here's God's enabling. Here's God's goodness. Here's God's grace and peace. What's peace? The word shalom there. His great enabling, His goodness and His shalom, His total well-being and abundance to you from God, our Father and our Lord Jesus Christ. God is the God of abundance. He's the God of more than we could ask or imagine. I believe He really wants to encourage us this morning to live in that place that I am blessed. How many believe that this morning? I am blessed, not just I'm blessed, but you, all of us, we are blessed. Then it says, verse three, praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ Jesus. So he's saying praise, thanks to God the Father. So he's saying, hey guys, always start with thanksgiving. Thank him for who he is. Thank him for what he's done, that you are blessed. He's given you everything you're ever going to need in your life. So we live from a place of fullness. We don't live from a place of trying to get something that God has already given us. So we're living in a place of fullness and we want to uh, live and, uh, and breathe that fullness every moment of our lives. Then what does he say? Verse four, it says, for he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. I love that. He says, for he chose us in him before the creation of the world. Interesting terminology there. He says he chose us. Now, if you're going to choose something, how many of you, when you go shopping, you, you spend time thinking about what you're going to go and shop for? How many of you have ever run into a shop, you've grabbed the first thing on the first rail, you haven't even looked at how much it is or what it is or whether it's going to fit you or not. You go to the till, you pay for it, they put it in a bag, you go outside the shop and then you look in the bag and think, now what did I buy? Has anybody ever done that? If you have, we'll pray for you. But uh, what do you do when you go shopping? You, you, you go, well, most of us go on the internet these days, but you don't just go to the first website. How many of you spend quite a bit of time surfing the internet, looking at three million websites, trying to find the pair of shoes, the top, the hat, the scarf, the gloves, the whatever it is that you're looking for. And quite often you end up back on the first website that you found because that was the nicest, the best deal you got. Anybody ever found that? Anybody ever done that when you've been shopping? You go shopping and the first shop you go into, you find the thing you want to buy, but you haven't been to all the other shops yet. So just to make sure you don't make a mistake, you go to all the other shops, you try everything else on and three and a half, four hours later, you drag your husband, sorry, you, you, you end up back in the, uh, that was a slip of the tongue there. You, you take your husband, no, sorry, slip of the tongue there again. You go back to the first shop and you buy the first thing, why? Because you're happy to spend your money on something that you really want because you've chosen it, you value it. And, and many of us, we don't mind spending a bit more on something because it's either better quality or we really want it and therefore we don't mind spending more on it. And then we're happy with what we've done. Well, 
In the same way, before the creation, this is nuts, before the creation of the world, it says God chose us. So God spent time thinking about you and I before he even created the world. So imagine the Father, Son and Holy Spirit, before they created the world, they're there in eternity and they're thinking about you. When you're going to be alive, what your name was, what you're going to do in your life, the call upon your life the day you were going to give your life to the Lord, what God was going to do in you and through you. They spent time thinking about it. I think that's amazing. For he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless. So when God looks at your life, when you know him, he looks at you as holy and blameless. I think that's awesome. Not just holy, but blameless. The enemy wants to look at your life and tell you uh, and blame you about stuff. He wants you to look at the past, look at the rubbish, look at what goes on in your head, look at the way you spoke to the person as you walked into church today, whatever it might have been. He wants to put blame on you so that you don't feel holy. So you think, no, I can't be holy because of this, that or the other. But the Bible says, this is who you are. This is what I want you to believe because this is what I see. I've chosen you, called you, thought about you, spent time thinking about you. You're alive now, not by mistake. You're here by design. You're here because of my purposes. Firstly, to know me, but then also because of what I want to do through your life to affect other people's lives. And you are blameless in my sight. Then what does it say? In love, the context of all this that God has done, him thinking about us, choosing us, is in the whole context of love. In love, he predestined us to be adopted as his sons through Jesus Christ. In love. The nature of God is to love because he is love. So everything he does is done in love. And so he predestined us. What does the word predestined mean? It means the decision was made before the actual thing happened. So before the creation world, he chose us. He called you by name. He said, you are mine. You belong to me. You're holy. You're blameless. And, and what does it then say? He then adopts us as his children, adopts us into his family through Jesus. Why is adoption so powerful? Because again, adoption is somebody chooses you. We had no choice in who our parents were, no choice in who our, our mum or dad were. But you know, when a child is adopted, somebody goes to an agency, they look at the children and they say, we want you or we want them. And we choose you, we pick you, we want you to be part of our family. Everything that we have now is yours and, and we want you to become part of who we are as a family. Everything in our home is yours. You have access to everything. And, and adoption is so powerful because adoption is about being chosen. And God doesn't choose by mistake. He chooses because he is love and he wants to adopt us to become his children, to be in relationship with him. He adopts us through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure and his will. I think that's amazing. It, it was God's pleasure to call you by name. It, it was God's pleasure to spend time before creating the world thinking about you and I according to his pleasure and his will. None of us do anything because we don't want to. We, or everything we do is because we want to do it. And in the same way, God doesn't do anything that he does not want to do. 
and according to his pleasure and his will. So it not only pleased him to choose us, it was an act of his will saying there is nothing that's going to hinder this person coming to know me. There's nothing that's going to stop them coming into relationship with me. So according to his good pleasure and his will. Then what does it say? To the praise of his glorious grace, which he has freely given us in the one that he loves. Now, we looked earlier about grace, saying that God's enabling, God's goodness being released into our lives. Him giving us everything, even though we deserve nothing. But then it talks about his grace being glorious, his grace being so, so good and so abounding that he gives us his glorious, his abundant grace freely, in the one he loves, in Christ Jesus. So everything that we've been talking about so far, God gives us freely. We don't have to earn it. There's nothing we can do for it. It's everything that he has done that we do not deserve that he has given us freely by his grace because it pleases him, because that's his will, that's his heart, that's his longing, that's his desire. But then it says, in him, in Christ, we have redemption, we have freedom, we have forgiveness through his blood. Then it says the forgiveness of sins in accordance with the riches of God's grace. So now it talks about the riches of his grace, that he has released his life and his redemption, his freedom, his forgiveness, his healing, his salvation, his abundant life. He's done that because his grace is rich. It's beyond limits. You're never going to run out in, in that respect. And then in connection with his grace, it then says that he has lavished on us. Lavish. Now, the word lavish means too much, too much, too much, more than enough, more than you're ever going to need. And therefore it says he lavishes his grace. He lavishes his life. He lavishes his salvation. He lavishes himself upon us more than we could ever deserve. Anybody happy this morning? And what does it say? And he lavishes us with himself, with all wisdom and understanding. How many of you know God thinks about what he does? He doesn't do anything by mistake. He does everything on purpose, everything for a reason. And so in his wisdom and with his full understanding, he took our lives, lives that don't deserve him. And he went to the cross and he hung there on the cross and took the pain and the punishment of everything that we deserved. And he took all of that upon himself. It was called paying a price. It's called redemption. A price was paid so that the person who was guilty can go free, can go become forgiven. And we, we come into all that he has said that we are this morning. Let's just finish with the last couple of verses. And he made known to us, verse 9, the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure, which he purposed in Christ. Again, the word good pleasure. God was pleased to do all that he has done for us to bring us into relationship with him. To put into a... So... Let's just read verse nine again. He made known to us the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure, which he purposed in Christ when Jesus went on the cross to be put into effect when the times will have reached their fulfillment to bring all things in heaven and on earth uh, together under one head, 
even Christ. Now there's much more we could look at this morning. We're going to go into over these next few weeks. This morning has been quite simple. For many, a reminder of who we are in Christ, what he's done for us, that we're called, that we're chosen, uh, that there's nothing we can do to earn what God has done in our lives and who Jesus is in us. The fact that he has given us his Holy Spirit, we can't earn or any of that. But why is this is so important? Because for most people around our lives, they don't know who they are. We live in a world that is struggling with identity. Everybody's in a rush, in a hurry. Everybody's looking at the next email. They're posting the next Instagram thing. They're on Facebook trying to catch up, trying to portray a life that they don't really have, but they want, to, they want it to look good on the outside. Twitter, whatever those things are, we live in such a pressured culture, pressured environment. And when you become a believer, you find your identity, your rest, your security, who you are. You don't find it in anything else out there. You don't find it in the rush of life, the hurry of life, the pressure of life. You find your identity, you find that peace, you find that shalom, you find that grace, you find that place of walking with God in a place of peace and rest because you know who you are. The whip of the world, if we can put it that way, no longer drives our lives. But it's now the voice and the leading of the Holy Spirit. And one of the things he constantly does is remind us, hey, this is who you are. This is who you are. This is who you are. This is who I am in you. This is who I am in you. Rest, trust, walk with me, listen to me. Just do what I show you. Speak what I give you. Because what we're going to discover in these next few weeks about Jesus is, how he just simply walked with the Father, listened to him and responded to him. And in that place of rest and trust, he didn't live a hurried, rushed, anxiety-filled life. He fulfilled everything that the Father had called him to. He had seven days a week, 24 hours a day, in the same way as we do. Yet he fulfilled everything that he came to do. And as we simply rest in who we are in God, passionate, full of fire, stirring up that gift, not striving, stirring up the life and the, of the Spirit in us so that we can then be led by the Spirit in the way that He wants us to. We're then fruitful in the way that He wants us to be. Let's all stand together, shall we? Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Just raise your hands for a moment. I know many of us, we want to we wanna simply be like Jesus. We want to simply know Jesus. And as we lift our hands this morning, we're just saying, Father, I surrender to you afresh today. Maybe you can just pray and put words to what's going on in your heart right now. But Father, I thank you that you're in me. I thank you for your love. I thank you, Jesus. Father, I just surrender afresh to you this morning. I want to come to you. And initially where there's been the hurry, the rush and being driven. Jesus, I just want to put the brake on this morning. The brake on life that says rush, hurry, drive. I want to pull the brake on all of that. I don't want to run ahead of you, Father. I want to walk with you. 
Thank you, Jesus. Now, many of you probably, there's an element where you, you feel your life's going 150 miles an hour, that you, there's pressures, you've got deadlines, I feel behind, I've got to catch up and all of that. Just where you're standing this morning, just park all of that right now. Say, Father, I don't want to live a driven life. I don't want to live a rushed life. I don't want to live a hurried life. I want to live led by you. And if I'm led by you, there's time for everything. Time for everything. So Holy Spirit, we just invite you over these next few weeks to detox our lives from the stuff that detracts us from you, detracts us from that intimacy with you, detracts us from walking with you in the way that you want us to. Thank you that you detox stuff so that we can walk with you in the way that you want, be fruitful in the way that you want in these coming days, to make disciples in the way you want us to. So Father, we thank you, we praise your mighty, awesome name. I'm just gonna turn over now to all the congregation leaders just to flow in and carry on a few more minutes of just response in each congregation. So bless you. Have an amazing week this week. Amen. Thank you for listening to this Kingdom Faith podcast. We trust it's been an encouragement to you. For more information and resources from Kingdom Faith and our other audio and video podcasts, please visit www.kingdomfaith.com.